0: Christ-centered, Bible-based, ministry-focused. At Campbell University Divinity School, this is who we are. This is who we have been. This is who we will be. We are committed to loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. This means we are rigorous in our academic pursuits, and we are serious about living out our faith. Our students come from many different denominations, ethnic backgrounds, and age groups. They come because they share this vision. They come to be formed academically, spiritually, and vocationally, Our professors are world-class scholars who are active in ministry. They model how to take insights from the classroom and put them into practice. It's more than books and classes here. It's more than tests and lectures. It's more than professors and buildings. Students come to be prepared for ministry. They leave closer to God when they come. Campbell University Divinity School is driven by calling and purpose. It's a place where people are trained not only to be careful listeners of the word, but also to be doers in a kaleidoscope of ministry opportunities. Together we are a community sharing the commitment to be Christ-centered, Bible-based, and ministry-focused. This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Church Starts Conversation. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship and interviews of people doing groundbreaking work of partnering together and renewing God's world ideas, stories, and innovation from Church Starters, pastors, and practitioners. Today's episode will feature Terry Henderson, Church Starter and pastor of a nine-year-old Church Start in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Church's Unity Christian Church International. Hey, just a reminder of a few opportunities ongoing with the New Church Start Initiative. Our primary goal is to create space for discernment. We do this through a free online cohort experience where participants engage with 8 to 12 other participants from all around the country who are also discerning a call to church starting. Spend a lot of time in personal reflection, spiritual reflection, and group conversations around the dynamics and basics of New Church Starts. If you're interested in joining one of our upcoming cohorts, be sure to email ahale at cbf.net. As cool as it'd be to be an ordained minister with the last name Hell, that's spelled A-H-A-L-E at cbf.net. Now as a CBF staff person, of course, I would never say that one or two of our partner schools really rise above the rest, but I am a little partial. I am what you call a two-hump camel. I graduated from Campbell University undergrad and Campbell University Divinity School, home of the Fighting Camels. Of course, Buies Creek is the booming metropolis of North Carolina. They now have officially no longer any stoplights, but now two roundabouts. Uh, Campbell is where I met the great Terry Henderson, who is our guest today.
1: Welcome, Terry. All right. Thank you very much, Andy. Glad to be here. You have a
0: pretty fascinating story. Uh, grew up right outside of Louisville, Kentucky, um, then entered to the military. I believe you served in the military for almost 23 years. And after your time there in the military, you entered into Campbell University Divinity School.
1: Um, well, actually, I started um, a divinity school um, I had about three years left, uh, maybe four years left in the Army, and I just felt a, a call um, to ministry, to full-time ministry, and um, I began, you know, that journey there at uh, at Campbell before I retired.
0: You know, for a lot of people, when they finish the military and are going into the ministry, their first thought is around chaplaincy. Um, so why was it pastoral ministry for
1: you? <laughs> Well, actually, I just wanted to go to school. I had no intention of becoming a pastor or a church planner for that. matter. <laughs> I just had a great love for the for the Bible for the Word of God, and I was already teaching in my in my local church where I volunteered and and um, was involved in teaching uh youth believe it or not and uh and I worked in a halfway house uh that was on our church grounds and I just wanted to um be more uh Focused on uh, what was behind the word, so one of the things I wanted to learn was languages, and but but really keeping everything in context of the Bible. I, I knew that I was um, I wasn't as uh, in depth or didn't have a um, a great uh, anchor as I'd like to have, uh, you know, in studying the word and reading it. And so that's one of the reasons why I went to school to basically be a better teacher of the Bible.
0: Well, you said you didn't know church starting would be for you, and uh, I remember when I was sensing a call to church starting, and I started sharing that with others. Um, I heard this line in different forms, but essentially it was either God is calling you to this, or you're certifiably insane. Um, so, tell me about that—that—that that, that sense of calling to
1: church starting. Well, the Lord kind of um, spoke to me. Um, Basically, about unity, about bringing bringing people together. It's not that my church wasn't together, but um, I don't know if our arms were open wide enough, um, you know, as reflective of Jesus and 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 being in, you know inclusive. And and so that's that's how I began to to journey and and to contemplate and to reflect and. One of those passages of scripture was actually in Ephesians four: one Lord, one faith, you know, one baptism. And 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 then as I began my studies um, at at Campbell, and was learning about the New Testament and things like that, and, and I just kind of allowed the, you know, the Holy Spirit to kind of guide me along this process. And believe it or not, it was just one day I was driving home, and um, you know, from Campbell's about forty-five minute drive back to Fayetteville, and and the Lord said, uh, you know, you're going to you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to start a church. And I was just like, really? And that was in 2004. Now, of course the church didn't get started until 2008, but um, I was able for that four years to kind of reflect on what the church would be. And I just kind of prayed. And again, it wasn't a overnight thing. It was a four for me personally, it was a four year process of listening, uh, documenting, waiting, writing, and, um, putting everything in place the way I believe the Lord wanted me to do it.
0: I believe you're coming up on a on nine-year anniversary. Um, you know, really looking back on the last nine years, what did you think it was going to look like starting? And, and are you surprised at what it looks like today?
1: Oh, I had no true idea. You know, you the Lord gives you a vision, um, but it's His church, you know, and that's the one thing that He kept telling me, you know, because, you know— I thought the word was good. You know, I felt that I, you know, I thought it was a pretty good teacher and, and I love people and, and, um, my wife and I love people and our hearts were open. We were accessible to everyone. And so I was like, my gosh, you know, this thing, you know, we're going to have a thousand people by next year. <laughs> but of course, uh, <laughs> that was not the Lord wanted us to do. And, um, it was kind of like a crawl, walk, run. And, and, and you know, the Lord is, uh, you know, he's so good and he'll give you uh, just enough to keep you going. And, um, but I did not um, believe, and I'm very happy, very fortunate, very blessed of where we are right now. We have about 90, uh, 90 92 people as I speak. Um, and, and, and we've had hundreds, of course, because Fayetteville is so transitory. We've had hundreds, of course, that have come through um Our church doors, and you know they moved away or get deployed or whatever. Um, but uh, the Lord is has by far exceeded my expectations.
0: Going through the experience myself as a church starter and then of course, um, working with so many of our church starters, you you have these expectations of what it's going to look like or what success is going to look like, and oftentimes it it changes. how did How did that change for you along the way?
1: um a couple of things that really stand out It's something that I say uh to the tr- uh to the people here uh to express my love for them is that um um I thought I really loved people uh until I became a pastor and, <laughs> uh, and the, you know you think that you really have a soft heart but you but you truly find out that you don't you know you it's not as soft as you think it is <laughs> and uh, one from a spiritual formation uh, standpoint, that's something that I that I really had to see God about. You know, when you're dealing with situations and people getting hurt, and as a pastor, well, let me let me correct that. I thought I loved people um, a, 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 an awful lot. I just had a heart for people, uh, but but I, as I became a pastor, I realized that I didn't quite love people enough, based upon um the situations you get in, involved with with uh, with families and and um uh, children being disobedient and you just have to love people through things and so those that one thing that i could say from a spiritual formation standpoint um that's really changed me of uh, trying to get the heart of christ and truly understanding what loving unconditionally is and i'm still growing at it as a matter of fact the second thing uh, that is has uh, changed for me uh, in this process is um, uh, my leadership, uh, that I had to adjust. Uh, you know, I have a lot, have, have had, I've had a lot of leadership training and, and leadership experience in uh, being in the Army, um, but because you deal with a volunteer force uh, and not necessarily people that have to obey, um, you have to make some, uh, uh, some adjustments. Not that I'm a a, a task-oriented or a tyrant or anything like that, but you have to love people through the through the process. And one particular thing I remember uh, Dr. Bebran saying in school is that uh, a good pastor manages the love. You know, love should be in the church, and therefore you have to manage it. And I really took that to heart, uh, you know, there when he said that one day in the class. Well, Roy had a few good things to say, didn't he? Yeah, a whole lot of things to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's switch gears for just a second. Um, We talk about that the American church on Sunday morning is the most segregated time. Um, But you've really taken a different approach to that. Um, You, along with your leadership, have intentionally crafted and created a multi-ethnic, multi-cultural congregation Tell us the sense of call to that, and and how you went about doing that.
1: Well, I think it it, it really began where I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, um, we were the only um, African American family in our neighborhood, and around us was were were both Jews, uh, Jewish people. We were in a pretty large Jewish uh, neighborhood, uh, suburban area of uh, Louisville. And, uh, and then also there was a lot of Catholics and one of my best friends was Italian and uh, who lived right up the street from me, at one house between us. And, and so that melding of, of different um, backgrounds and cultures really gave my understanding of the world, uh, it gave it shape. And, um, and, and then just the teachings of my parents, nobody's better than you, you're no better than everybody else. You know, God says love, and I grew up in a home like that, and even though I did experience you know discrimination racism time to time, but I was always always encouraged you know to love uh everyone, so that kind of informed me, of course uh, you know the my time in the military as well um gave shape to that um uh, uh, also um just living overseas. Spent a lot of time in the Middle East and the different places, lived over in Germany with my family. As a matter of fact, one of my sons was born in Germany. And so um, that also kind of gave, um, gave shape. And, you know, and this allowed me to connect and be able to relate. And my wife's the same way, uh, to, re- to relate to people that don't look like us. And so, you know, when you read the scriptures, uh, when Paul talks about there's neither Jew or Greek or, um, you know, it kind of informed me as well. And so when the Lord spoke to me about planning this church, I just uh, knew that the name was going to be Unity, and, uh, and uh, that's, that's kind of how uh, things uh, took off uh, in that area.
0: This is going to sound creepy, but um, really studied you from afar, especially uh, when our core group was in the process of developing what would become Mosaic Church of, of Clayton, so right up the road from you. And uh, really looking at uh, the intentional purpose behind You Have Everything, you talk about wanting to create uh, different types of places, uh, a place of purpose, a place of love and care, a place of growth. How do you intentionally shape that type of culture within a church start?
1: Well, there's a couple of things that I, would, you know, that, that I will say that I will always do. If, I was, if the Lord told me to, to plant another church someplace else, I would always begin with a Bible study. I will always begin um, with teaching a sense of community um, and teaching what it means to be together and a family and emphasizing that also i think that you have to do some very practical things much like what we have is 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 have a cafe or a community gathering place where people can build a relationship outside the church outside sunday morning service uh which is very beneficial um liturgy and all that is very very beneficial um, but there also has to be a certain sense of intentionality concerning getting to know each other, where the people have a sense of belonging and know that they are the church outside Sunday. And and so, and I'm sitting actually sitting here in the conference room of our of our cafe. And just today, we've had uh, I can't tell you how many people because well, we do have a larger Hispanic population. So just in the last two years. We've had more Hispanic population um, that has come to the cafe just for coffee because we give free coffee away. I think that, that really has, um, um, it sets a, a, a tone um, of how we are intentional about intersecting people's lives and having a place where they can come and con- conversate and want to come back as a result of the relationship that you built, and they'll hear, they'll be able to hear the word because ultimately, obviously we want to point them toward Jesus and developing a strong relationship with Jesus. But again, I'm of the opinion, uh, the humble opinion, that in order for people to believe what you say, they have to trust you. You know, they have to know the dynamic of your character in order to sit and allow you to share uh, the word and God's truth with them.
0: You're of course referring to the Agora Cafe Getting back to that love of, of language, especially Greek, uh, tell us about the cafe.
1: Um, the uh, it's called the Agora, the Agora Cafe, um, which means marketplace. Um, the tagline and the tagline for our church is your church in the marketplace. So it only seemed right that we'd have a cafe <laughs> named Agora, and and what it what it is, we actually it's where it sits. We're actually at an intersection of. Wagner Road and Sycamore Dairy here in Fayetteville. So we, we sit on the corner, and one of the things that we always say, too, is we just don't want to sit on the corner. We want to change the corner in which we sit. But where the cafe is, um, it's right next to our uh, church. Um, it's open Tuesday through Friday, uh, 730, 430. And then we have functions at night uh, during the evening time as well that people can come and participate, be part of, if they so choose. And and it's, it's it's a it's it's a net uh, that we that we kind of cast wide and far, um, and it's it's a place to have conversations that we call cafe conversations that uh, anyone could come you know and just sit down and talk. Uh, we're not necessarily here to proselytize. However, um, if somebody has a question um, about the Bible, question about Jesus, question about spirituality, um, all the volunteers here are trained. Um, to minister to to that need, to pray with them. We've, we've had our first salvation, believe it, uh, already in January, um, where, where a gentleman came in, we just some some question, questions about the Bible. And through that process, um, um, uh, we led him in a prayer where he received Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And so now he now comes back. He's never been to our church, but he comes back to our Tuesday Bible studies in which we have those Tuesday afternoon Bible studies in the cafe, um, um, between 11.30 and 1, um, and people can bring their lunch and kind of hang out and talk, uh, and maybe they don't want to participate in Bible study, but you know they, they'll, they'll sit afar and kind of hear what, what has been said. But those are some intentional things um, about um, um, evangelism, intentional, practical things about uh, being on mission, I think is very, very important.
0: As you look back at these nine years, um, what has been your greatest joy and celebration?
1: Um, by far growth, um, growth in people, uh, especially if you've had a family that's been with you um, uh, for some time, growth in kids in uh, our students, you know, maybe they were here, you know, because we've been here for going on nine years now. And so if you, if you had a, uh, a six-year-old come, and now they're in a youth ministry. Or, you know, it's 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 pretty exciting to see. Uh, but also, if you had a young couple that came in and they're here, and you see the growth in them, they're serving in the ministry. Uh, that's 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 the greatest joy: change lives and fruitful growth. I would say.
0: Nine years, you know, not a not a thousand-member church, but how have you how have you viewed success in these nine years? We're still
1: here. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're still here, and um, uh, we've outgrown the space uh, where we are. I mean, those are those are quantitative um, measurements, uh, but qualitatively, I would still have to go back to um, transformation uh, of, of lives. Um, just I, I could throw a few numbers. You know, eighty. Oh, I think eighty-two percent other people here serve um and and again because we're very intentional about informing them and encourage them uh, that what god's expectation is you know i oftentimes say that uh, you can't just grow as a christian just by reading the bible because there's got to be some application uh to to present some level of evidence that you changed and um and you're here for me and i'm here for you um, I'm not just here to learn uh, to teach. I'm here to learn as well. And so I need you, uh, you know, need your service, need you using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you that God has blessed you with to kind of, uh, share with other people, um, who you are and we can best see that, you know, in your service and you hanging around us. And so that's what it's talking about. It's not, not just the, the warm and fuzzy. Let's have a, let's have a, uh, small group study but there's gotta be some application uh, to the word. And uh, a lot of times it can simplify obviously in the change of our character, but when we seek to love and serve uh, our brothers and sisters around
0: us. That's fantastic. You know, I, I think churches, some, some churches set out and that's their goal and their mission to become um, that big, I guess, city on a hill, if you will, in town. Um, Others are called to to faith in relationships, one person at a time. And uh, I'm grateful for your work, um, both from afar uh, and being able to uh, to engage it. Um, I'm grateful for your leadership and what you bring to to the fellowship um you know you didn't know this probably way back when but uh sitting and listening and observing you all the way back at Bowie's creek at campbell university divinity school uh, i was able to learn a lot just by being in class with you so thank you for all right well thank
1: you brother i appreciate that hey thanks
0: again for joining us for this week's episode and thanks to campbell university divinity school for being our sponsor Campbell University Divinity School is accessible, affordable, and authentic. We are located in the heart of North Carolina with our convenient class schedule. Students have the ability to work while earning a degree. 93% of our students receive scholarship support. We are more than just a school, we are a community. We offer five degrees and five certificates, but we have one mission to be Christ centered, Bible based. Find more information about CBF and CBF Church Start initiatives at cbf.net backslash Church Starts. We also have our Church Starts writing stories each and every week to tell you about innovative work they are doing, lessons learned from Church starting. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, CBF Church Starts. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.